OHL hockey is back. This is the Farwell and Boat Podcast. Originating from the 570 News Studio in Kitchener. Here are your hosts, Mike Farwell and Chris Pope. The best part about doing these podcasts in a hotel room is that uh, we're accompanied by a couple friends of ours. And these friends, Mike, I don't mean to take this shot so early in the podcast, if anyone can hear that, but they're tall in the fact that they're tall boys. Is that a uh, short joke? Because I'm not tall. In fact, I'm the furthest thing from it. Well, I, I like to consider myself average, but it's nice to sit in a hotel room after a, about a nine-hour bus trip from Kitchener with a pit stop in Sudbury and finally landing in a frigid Sault Ste. Marie, four degrees getting off the bus. Shout out to the Caruso Club in Sudbury for hosting us again. It's the highlight of the trip, I think. Let me be the first to tell you, and I don't think I'll be the last... I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news, but you're the furthest thing from average, pal. <laughs> I mean, honestly. Anyway, with that cheap shot out of the way. Uh, yeah, this is, you know what? We've talked about this kind of being one of the elements that we're able to bring to the podcast, taking you on the road with us. And tonight is literally an opportunity for us to do that. We are uh, we have traveled all day. And here we are in Sault Ste. Marie getting set for a busy, busy weekend with the Kitchener Rangers here in the Sioux on Friday night, off to Flint on Saturday, and then Saginaw on Sunday. We're just just getting set. We were talking uh, in the hotel room here earlier ahead of recording this, and I love. We both love this city. After you get here, it's it's a beautiful city. The the hotel right across the street from the rink. The rink's nice. The city obviously supports the Greyhounds through and through. There's a mall right there if you're looking for something to do. Real nice coffee shop up the street. It's just the getting here part that's so difficult. And I really enjoy the atmosphere in the rink. Uh, the newly named GFL, I believe, uh, arena. Is that where we're at now? No, it's not the SR Center anymore. It's also not the Steelback Center. So let's not go back to those names. But I, I love seeing Jerry, who's the play-by-play boy slash communications media guy here. Uh, his, his partner Spanky is a, is a usual uh, connection when we get up here. And, and Spanky insists that he's been able to listen to 570 News broadcasts and Don Cameron call games from his home here in Sault Ste. Marie. I think Spanky was maybe smoking something that's not legal in this country till next week. But anyway, uh, it's great. And when you walk into the media room, Popper, you know exactly what the first offering will be from the sweet elderly ladies that run it. Would you like some soup? <laughs> that's exactly how it goes. And I'm sure anyone who's an avid listener, maybe even just listened to one podcast, has heard us talking talk about the food in this media room. It is second to none in the league for my money. And it starts with that soup. You open the door and there's a wonderful elderly woman sitting there and it's the first thing out of her mouth. Would you like some soup? And she won't let you pick it up and take it to your seat. She's, they have to deliver it to you. They wouldn't want you to hurt yourself. I feel like I've let the team down. At least uh, this team, you and I. Because I didn't tweet in advance to Muyos, which is the area restaurant that supplies the food to the media room because if you'll remember in the playoffs last year when we came up they had these chicken fingers i mean it sounds so weird right but these chicken fingers were like my god how can we get more chicken fingers and i threw it out on twitter or i threw out some comment about how good the meal was and muios picked it up and said hey if there's a game seven what would you like and i said if there's a game seven I want more chicken fingers, and sure as heck, there was a Game 7, and we got more chicken fingers. Shout out Muyos and Sault Ste. Marie. With the thousands of tweets you've had, that was by far your best one. And I'm just saying, (laughs) flat out. So as we sit here and play the woe is me game about our nine-hour trip into Sault Ste. Marie today, interrupted by the stop at the Crusoe Club in Sudbury, uh, anybody listening from outside of the Ontario Hockey League or even outside of southern slash central Ontario is saying, hey, shut up, because real travel happens. Certainly for a team like Sault Ste. Marie, they're not going to have sympathy for anybody that's traveling anywhere because their shortest trip is three hours or so. But for the other leagues in the queue, so shout out to our buddy Patrick McNeil in Cape Breton and the boys with the Pipeline show out in Edmonton who know what travel is all about in this league. I've got a few things on my mind that I wanted to discuss on this podcast, uh, one of them being three-star selections, another one being team captains, and something that I realized on the drive up here today because I had nine hours to think about it. I have not yet told you the story about Kirkland Lake, Tom Cochran, and the Ruin Naranda 
Huskies. And it all connects to travel in the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League. I'll save that story for later in the podcast, but trust me, it's, I, I mean this, it's, it's worth waiting for. Well, that's what you call a teaser. If you want to hear us discuss something, let us know on Twitter at underscore Chris Pope and at Farwell underscore OHL. So let's start with the three stars because it seems to be a point of contention uh, in our discussions in the past. I think we've come to a, an agreement when uh, we, dis- we discuss three stars on home ice. But you were also getting some tweets the other day for us to look at the three stars around the league. And there are often nights where there are three stars chosen that you begin to scratch your head at. I don't think it's as much of a talking, or rather, it shouldn't be as much of a talking point as it is around this league and around this team that we cover, the Kitchener Rangers. But uh, you got a couple tweets, and there was a few three-star selections that – uh, people didn't think you would be too fond of. Well, and you and I have talked about this before, right? And I've been on board with my views on three stars for quite some time now. And I think that's why people are tweeting me at Farwell underscore OHL. Hey, did you see the three stars in this game? Did you see the three stars in that game? Oh, Farwell won't be happy with these three stars. And through the conversations you and I have had, you've you've made it pretty clear that you don't think it matters a whole lot to anybody. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with that. I I understand why it matters. I just don't think it should matter as much as it does to others. So given that, and, and given the number of tweets, we're in week four of the season, Popper. We are in week four of the season. And I've had so many interactions about this already that I, I wanted to bring it up on the pod this week because I'm going to make it my thing. So please, to anyone listening, encourage your city's team or if you're one of our fellow media members get your head out of your derriere and do this right it's really simple okay here are the rules when it comes to three stars mike farwell's three rules of three stars rule number one it's not even three rules now i have to come come on more rules okay (laughs) i'll try to find rules it's really simple the winning team see there are three stars to select right the winning team gets two of those stars, the losing team gets one. That's the way it works. You see, because if the winning team wins on the ice, then they win the three-star selections as well. Now, I'll grant you, the game is far more nuanced than that. And yes, when you're watching a game, you may have a different feeling about who the actual three best players in the game were. But generally speaking, as a rule... 98.6% of the three-star selections should go if you are the winning team, you get two of the stars. It's that simple. So can we please, I mean, I'm I'm begging you right now, let's do it this way. And I'm going to continue to harp on this. And if you see three stars that are out of whack, let me know about it because I'm calling it out beginning now and for the rest of this ding-dang season until teams and cities and whomever, whomever is picking these stars gets it through their head. Winning team gets two, losing team gets one, everybody goes home happy. There are exceptions to that rule, of course, and I kind of agree with you that two stars to the winning team is a good base. Obviously, if you know a player has two goals in a losing effort and that team's goalie has 40 saves and the other team got three power play goals and whatever, that, that's that 2.4% that you left open, I think it was. And, and one of the tweets I got was from my buddy Dominic Tiano, who writes for the hockey the OHL hockey writers. Great guy. I've known him for a lot of years in this league. And he said, oh boy, Farwell, you're not going to be happy with the three stars tonight in Windsor. And this was from a game last weekend. So I looked it up. And the Spitfires lost the game 5-2. to two, And yet Cole Perbu of Windsor was the first star of the game. That said... Uh, Zach Roy, Hamilton's goaltender, who made 42 saves, and Mackenzie Entwistle, who was 1-1, one one, a goal and an assist for the Bulldogs, were stars 2-3. and three. And you know what? I, re- I replied back to Dom, and I said, listen, I, I don't mind this. The, the, the winning team got two stars. I wasn't there. And the guys at the WFCU, shout out Dutchie and Jim Parker. I don't know if Jim has anything to do with the uh, three-star selections in Windsor, but he's a great writer with the Windsor Star. I've known for a lot of years in this league. Good guy. I, bottom line is I, I believe in what they're doing there, and I, I think they take the game and, and the elements around it seriously. So if Cole Perbu, who scored both goals for Windsor, was the best player on the ice, I'll take their word for that. Having said that, when the Rangers were in Windsor earlier this season, week two, game three for Kitchener, uh, Kitchener won four to one, and 
got the first star, Luke Richardson, very deserving. But the other two stars went to uh, Luca Heno, who I believe had an assist in the game. And the third star in that one, uh, let me just get the note. It was, uh, oh gosh, oh, Matt McDonald, or Matt McDougal, pardon me, got the third star in that game. And he was pointless. Now, I thought he had a great game, though. We, it, we talked about him quite a bit on the broadcast. We did. And, and again, if you're in the rink, it's a much different story. And the 4-1 score sounded more lopsided than the game really was. Kitchener got two empty netters. But because the winning team should get two of the three stars, give it to the guy that got the two empty net goals. Or find a defenseman to throw it to. I don't know. I, again, I'm, I'm picking nits on that score. But the bottom line is, and I want to stress it, don't make a mockery of the three stars. If you don't like the three stars and you think there should just be a player of the game declared for either team, that's fine. Lobby for that. But until that happens, we have the three stars. This is our thing. And so the winning team gets two and the losing team gets one. And as Rob tweeted at me, because I talk about this quite a bit, and people tweet me about it, Rob says, well, Farwell, you know, two games into the Kitchener Rangers season, they had six stars the other team had none and full disclosure you and i are part of the selection team the selection committee in kitchener when it comes to the three stars so as i said back to rob on twitter i'm like yeah well they also won those games six to two and five to one so i don't think it was that lopsided anyway please oh please oh please two stars for the winning team one star for the losing team and we're all going to be happy for the 2018-19 season okay okay I don't even mind if it's one for the winning team and two for the losing team. The part that gets me is when it's just consistently all three from the home team in that barn and it happens game in and game out. Even if it happens once, it bothers me, but I'm like, whatever, who cares? I shouldn't say who cares. I'm trying not to say that as much because someone does, and obviously I do. But it's one of those things that if it happens numerous times, that's when it gets me because that's when it becomes a mockery. Then they're just doing it. I understand that there's sponsorships and stuff like that, and some teams do things differently. And there was the incident down in Erie where our good friend Aaron Cooney, it was announced wrong, and he helped pick the stars, and the, the stars sent down weren't the stars announced. They just got, and it, they just and got the numbers wrong, right? The yeah. tw- 29 from Erie was supposed to get the star and or whatever, right? That's what happened. And there was Sudbury in Kitchener the other night. Kirill Nishnikov had three points. We sent down the stars late, and Kirill Nishnikov didn't get credit as a star. Naturally, still Sudbury had two stars in that game because they won. Kitchener only had one, but still, people miss out on that kind of thing, and it's it's an it's not the easiest process in the world when the picks are being made up in the media room, uh, in the media row, and then being sent down to ice level, and teams like to announce them immediately after the game, so players aren't sitting around waiting. But there's also nothing worse than when you go into a rink and they send they pass out pieces of paper along media row asking for your vote, and it's five minutes into the third period in a 2-2 game. It drives me absolutely nuts. There is, because we do take it seriously, it's true. There is pressure, and that's why the Stars got sent down, as you put it, late in the Rangers-Sudbury-Wolves game because, yeah, it was a 2-2 game through the third period. And if overtime is looming, like, what what are you to do? So what we do do is the very best we can. And during the intermission between regulation and overtime, we send down some combination of stars with the game-winning goal scorer getting one of them. But it's, it's imperfect, and that's why the stars may not have been the ideal selections when Sudbury won the game. But at least we... St- stuck to our own credo, or at least the one I'm declaring now, two stars to the winner, one to the loser. And final point on that, if you think that this is just making a mountain out of a molehill, what did we hear just outside our media booth at that game in Kitchener on Sunday when the Sudbury Wolves were in town? The two fans sitting right in front of us were discussing who they thought the three stars might be and were comparing their choices against the choices announced in the rink. Yeah, they said it had to be the Sudbury goaltender, Uko Pekka Lukanen, and they said it like, oh, it has to be. And I kind of did the head turn like, I thought he played well, don't get me wrong, player of the week, but I didn't think he deserved a star over you know, a Kirill Nishnikov with three three points in that game um, or the game winner in overtime. But that was just me. It's, an, it's a sense of, or it's a point of um, argument around fans who hang around to watch and there's always those fans that do hang around to watch and i tip my cap to you the biggest tip of a cap possible because as a kid i used to love i never left 
before seeing the three stars. I just wanted to see. That's all. I wanted to see the players come out. I think there's cool moments that happen. We don't have to look too far. Then when Mitch Marner was a member of the London Knights at the Kitchener Auditorium and he came out, gave the kid the stick, took pictures, all that kind of stuff. He got a standing ovation from the people that were left at the odd. And I can't remember a London Knight ever getting a standing ovation on East Ave. How about back in the day? Eddie Shack, right? Would come out and skate around like a wild man and all that stuff. Would he? Come on now. <laughs> come on now, Popper. Just because I'm a little bit more seasoned than you. Anyway, I, I think that if if we can just work on getting this done the right way. Again, if you think the system is flawed as it is, I get it. And I'll, I'll join you in lobbying for a player of the game from each team or just a player of the game or, you know, a star plus a hardest working, whatever. But for now, this is the system we've got. Let's take it seriously. Like, really, I, I, I think it matters. I think there's integrity involved in this. So to every market and every team, don't be such a homer. I get it. And players have a little fun with it. Take pictures, of course, go out, wave to the fans, toss a couple pucks around. I like that kind of thing. It reminds me, I know... We're a OHL and major junior podcast, but what Carolina Hurricanes are doing this year, the National Hockey League, kind of with a throw out to uh, what they do over in Europe. They score, or after, sorry, after they win, they do like the Minnesota Vikings chant, all that center ace where they're lined up at the blue line, and then they all skate to the end zone and jump into the glass. Stuff like that. I love it. You know what? You just reminded me of something, and I'll just finish though, because of uh, what you were talking about sticking around for the three stars. When I was a kid, Hockey Night in Canada wasn't over on Saturdays until they put the three stars up on the screen. Still isn't. I agreed. I love what you said about Carolina. I've seen it too. That reminds me. And I'm sorry. And come at me if, by the way, any three stars that you see that are not right in your opinion, at Farwell underscore OHL. I'll tweet every ding-dang one of them. Let's embarrass the teams that don't do it right. If you include me, at underscore Chris Pope, I'll tell you why you are wrong. I just didn't think you'd want to be... We're going to get a lot about this. And by the way, the hashtag is AskFNP. If you have questions you want us to address on the podcast or you just want to chirp us, ask F for Farwell, N because it's easier to spell than and, P for Pope. Okay. I like it. You, that Carolina thing made me think of something. This is a tangent. We didn't talk about talking about this. But I'm sorry. And God bless you, Sudbury Wolves leading the Eastern Conference 6-2 and two right now when they started last season 2-6. and six. Lots to be over the moon about in Sudbury. You won an overtime game in October and you celebrated like it was a playoff clinching, series clinching victory. I think it was over the top. I have zero problem with it whatsoever. Fifth win in a row for a franchise that has been so bad lately. So bad. They finally have a goaltender. They finally have some people up front to be happy with. Quinton Byfield... Looked okay in Kitchener. He didn't look great, but he looked okay. But he's obviously the real deal. How can you not be jacked up if you just won your fifth game in a row and in overtime to do so? You said they were over the moon. You could even say they were howling at the moon. They're wolves. Be over the top. You should be excited about that. You really should. But the celebration for the what what that that made them six and two for the eighth game of the season was excessive. I'm sorry, it just was. I have no problem with it. They did it alone. They didn't do it in front of the Rangers bench. They didn't go screaming down on one knee or like do the whole like uh, Austin Matthews Patrick Kane, which I also loved the other night, where they were like doing the Hulk Hogan like we can't hear you fans. They just went into the boards, jumped, and had some fun by themselves. I loved it. You mentioned Quinton Byfield and how lucky were you and I last weekend so the the three and three for the Kitchener Rangers was home to Saginaw on the road in Sarnia and then home to the Sudbury Wolves so we got to see in order Cole Perfetti with Saginaw Jacob Perot with Sarnia and then Quinton Byfield with Sudbury and they were one three two in scoring Perfetti was leading at the time followed by Byfield followed by Perot uh right now Marco Rossi has jumped in so it's those are the top four uh OHL scorers Rossi uh, rookie scorers Rossi sitting in third we've seen him already this year too but you said it I think off air on the broadcast when we were talking about the players this was on Sunday the players we had seen and you said the future of this league is in pretty good hands right now. Yeah, I even had to repeat it on air because it was. Okay. <laughs> we both laughed. We're like, yeah, that's really good. We're like, I'm going to use that again. And it really is. I thought Quinton Byfield came in with a lot of expectations into this league, and rightfully so. So do uh, many first overall picks. Um, and I thought he had an off night. 
in Kitchener. He he rode the pine a little bit uh, in the second period. Um, I thought Perfetti looked unbelievable. I thought he had a fantastic game. Great skater, great puck control, great vision. And then when we saw Perot there in Sarnia, I think his stats speak for themselves. Obviously a, a goal scorer, a guy that the puck seems to find. Uh, it just wasn't Sarnia's night when Kitchener was there because they couldn't bury it all. Um, they, they really struggled offensively. A lot of zone time, but just couldn't put the puck in. But I think you said it. You, each year you see these rookies come in and there's always that handful of rookies that it seems to just come easy and they they seem to find how to play in this league extremely quick extremely quickly um and and those are three and four with rossi in there that are finding that and how easy it is to play in this league and it's, it's going to be exciting to watch them develop honorable mention to Bodie wild who's not in this conversation as leading scorers for rookies but was an absolute beast i think he finished last friday versus kitchener in saginaw's overtime win uh one and one on the night but my goodness gracious i second rounder from a year ago played in the u.s program lured out of that to join troy smith's team in saginaw this year but he was something else and this just goes back to what you and i have talked about so many times on any given night in this league, you know, if you're a Western Conference team like Kitchener, you're hosting the Eastern Conference team in in Sudbury, for example. So fans might be, oh, well, it's just Sudbury. They only come once a year. You got a chance to watch Quinton Byfield. And he may not have even been the best wolf on the ice. Nishikov had a good game. I thought Peter Stratus on the back end had a great game for Sudbury. But anyway, Quinton Byfield is going to be a player in this league for years to come. Spend your 20 bucks and go see it. And along those lines, we talked about this in Sarnia. How about that? I think they call it a family four-pack. How about that deal that they're offering there? For, for 79 bucks yeah. in Sarnia, you get four tickets to the game, uh, four slices of pizza, four drinks, pop, water, whatever, and two, two bags of popcorn for $79. Select sting game days. Do, do, way to go, Sarnia. Great promotion. Anybody Anybody in Sarnia that doesn't take advantage of that, you're out of your ding-dang mind. That is amazing value. And we already talked about Jacob Pro. Just one of the I would I would pay $79 per ticket to watch Mitch Elliott play. That's how good I think he is on the back end for the Sarnia Sting. I'm with you. That's less than $20 a ticket. And then you add in all the food that you got. We both, they had a poster in the washroom. And after the game, we walked in and we're like, how about that deal? <laughs> <laughs> we want to go back to Sarnia on an off night just so we can get four tickets, but all the food just between the two of us. Um, you, you mentioned Byfield and obviously Bodie Wild. He was unbelievable. And I think that goes back to the three stars because we gave him a star but if you looked at the stat sheet you'd be like why are they giving Bodie Wild a star the guy had 10 minutes over 10 minutes of ice after the first period there was no doubt in my mind by the end of the game he was over 30 and he was an absolute stud the entire game dominated every time he was out there but there's incidences like that where people are like sit at home and they look at the box score and then they're like oh why did Bodie Wild go on and then they're going to send us a tweet and be like see what they did and you're like well yeah you weren't at the game Anyway, just to, just to bring it all back around. No, and that's fine, because like we said earlier, there are nuances to this. Bottom line, please don't forget, two stars to the winning team, one star to the losers. Thank you very much. All right, so we've heard Farwell's rules on the three stars. We've talked about the future of the league, and let's go back into the past, because you had a story that you teased earlier today to me, but you said you were going to wait till the podcast. Well, the podcast is here, so tell me this story. You don't want to talk about captains first? Sure, we could talk about captains. That's another tease. Hold on for the story. Now he's going to make me wait even longer. Uh, the Kitchen Rangers don't have a captain at this recording, um, but do they? Oh, I like what you just said there because you and I, we, we said the same thing. We had the same look on our faces when we talked about this earlier today, and I think the answer is yes. But I've been giving this some thought, and full disclosure, I heard Bobcat talking about it on uh, Primetime Sports on the fan, so whatever. Shout out, Mr. McCowan. Good to talk to you. There's worse people to, to copy or uh, lean off of than Bob McCowan. And he had a conversation with the, uh, the panel around primetime a few weeks back, I guess coming into the NHL season, because the Leafs have not named a captain. And there, don't see, there does not seem to be any urgency to do so. I, I think the same here in Kitchener, although I'm likely to ask Jay McKee at some point this weekend, because the person that we both seem to think could be, probably will be captain for this Rangers club, Connor Hall, returns to action 
this weekend. And, and, and that's a guy I think that fits the bill perfectly as a captain. But I wanted to kind of get your thoughts have as someone who's been in locker rooms. And, and I'm you know, much more looking at this from a fan's perspective. And I, I guess you want to see a C on a jersey because then you know that's that's the captain. That's the leader of the team. But I'm not sure. I'm really not sure what value there is in this anymore, particularly since at one time not too long ago, Roberto Luongo was a captain as a goaltender. So I just don't know that it matters at all to the players on the ice, to the team, as much as it might matter to the fan to say they identify with that player and the C on his jersey. Here's why I don't think goaltenders work as captains, despite me being on a couple teams where sometimes our goaltender was very vocal in the room and was a, was a leader on our team. And that is because of the, the media responsibility. Goaltenders are weird. Everyone knows it. To, to have to talk to the media after every game and have to answer. And if they make that one mistake, that's so there's not a job in the world that you make one mistake and a red light goes on and thousands of fans start clapping and, and cheering for your mistake. That's, that's where the Roberto Luongo thing. It just doesn't work. There's too much responsibility, too much media time. I've been in rooms where it's clear who the captain is and like there doesn't even need to be a ceremony that everyone knows that the captain just put the C on and the coach comes in. He's like, he's our captain. I've also been on teams where that C maybe should have went to someone else, but it went to someone because they're the better player or even more importantly, those A's could go on to a better leader, but they go on to players that are just our top players in the instance. And it does affect the room a little but the true leaders don't need to be identified as leaders. It's a nice tip of the cap for sure, but they're going to lead anyway. What, Especially around junior hockey, what it does is it's a liaison for rookies. If they don't feel comfortable going to the coach, they go to the captains. And I say captains because the people with A's as well. If a defenseman isn't a young defenseman isn't comfortable going to the coach being like what am I doing what am I doing he can go to one of those leaders and say hey what am I doing wrong or what should I be doing here on the road if they're like hey I don't I want to go and grab a bite to eat I don't know where to go they go to those people it is a liaison between the players sometimes and the coaches or if the practices aren't are, are becoming too difficult they feel like they're ran out instead of going to the coach and saying it because then you're going to find yourself in the press box you can go to your captains and be like hey don't you think like we've been bag skated four days in a row so then the captain then goes to the coach and says hey coach this is what it's going to be i think this team has a great group of leadership on the ice and off the ice and i'm with you i think that starts and stops with connor hall this though kind of speaks to my point and how i feel about this as a little bit more of an outsider than you because i wasn't in dressing rooms at, at any level beyond just playing recreational hockey when i was a kid but if the team knows, and I have no doubt that it does, who the leaders are anyway, whether you've got that C on your jersey, and I know for certain there have been captains named that weren't popular choices amongst the team. It may even cause a bit of a rift because, as you said, the, the team knows who the leaders are. So whether you're wearing the C or not, they're going to seek out the leadership of the actual leader. So I just come back to this idea. I, I don't know. I think it might be a little bit of an antiquated notion in hockey to put the C on somebody because everybody in that room knows exactly who the leaders are. And I think to some degree, fans kind of get, astute fans get that by watching the game and seeing how players interact and seeing which players are spending more time talking to officials or getting instructions from coaches at the bench before, like after a timeout before a key face-off or whatever the case may be. I, I just don't know that you need to sow a C on somebody's jersey anymore. I think at the national level, I think the argument is more there for that, for your argument of that you don't need it at the national level. I think at the junior level, it is very important because there are new kids coming into the league who are away from home for the first time and they sometimes don't feel comfortable going up to even though that person may seem like a leader in the room they don't a lot of like i know when i was younger we had leaders but i didn't really feel comfortable going up to them a guy with a c on i knew i could because he's my captain i could say to him hey cap can we talk for a second it was no problem because then it almost was even if he didn't want to he had to (laughs) It, it sounds bad but he had to it was a player coming up to his captain. Now he had to listen. And 
to have that uh, sounding board and that liaison between a youngster and a coach or just a youngster wanting to talk, it, it really is invaluable when these 16-year-old kids are moving away from home for the first time and being around an atmosphere that they may not be used to. So you still think the C matters? At the junior level, absolutely. Okay. You said something while we were talking about that as goaltenders that who have had the C, and you talked about how weird goaltenders were, but it made me think of something else. So a quick little tangent here too. But let's give a shout out uh, in two ways here. First of all, to the player, Mark Visentine, who has announced his retirement from the game of hockey, and Scott Radley with the spec, the Hamilton Spectator, who wrote a great piece on Mark. Of course, Mark played in St. Catharines with the Niagara Ice Dogs. And it's really interesting. So, so obviously, a lot of a lot of junior hockey fans, hockey fans, should know him because he was a goaltender for Team Canada. Kind of unfortunately, because he was there when Russia scored five goals against Canada, and Canada's gold medal hopes were dashed. Uh, that was, the, I believe, the 2012 tournament. But I remember Mark in his time in this league, and he is to this day recognized as the best goaltender in Niagara Ice Dogs franchise history. Uh, I always enjoyed his play. I always enjoyed covering him as a member of the media in this Ontario Hockey League. And to hear of a guy that really, not even 30 yet, is, is hanging him up. He's picking up some studies at the University of Guelph, which I think is great. But anyway, to me, it's just, it, it's a guy that was always enjoyable to be around, was enjoyable to watch. And it's, it's a little bit sad, but good for him. He seems to be in a good place, and he's off to school to do his studies. But shout out to him anyway for what he did, not only as an ice dog in the OHL, but for Team Canada. And shout out to Radley for a really good story about him. Go look it up online. You'll find it. I think Scott Radley's had a few shout outs on this podcast and our broadcast over this year just because we've talked. He's done some really good work, especially when Dave Matsos went down earlier this season. And when I was going to school down in Hamilton, I used to read Radley all the time. Great work by him. And, uh, Mark Vesentine, I remember watching him. He was fantastic in Niagara. And then he had, like, as you mentioned, a couple bad bounces and bad luck as a world junior goaltender. And then all of a sudden people who hadn't seen him play in Niagara start talking about, oh, this guy's garbage, even though he carved himself out a pretty good career and a, and a long career just retiring now. But what, what it does also show is just how difficult it is. Like it's not easy for players. You can be a great player in this league and all of a sudden just not be able to hack it at the next level and I mean that with the utmost respect just because there's so much talent out there if you think back one of the most talent raw talented players maybe to ever play in the Ontario Hockey League a guy like Rob Shrimp could not make it at that next level and it goes to show guys like that Vicenton even Jake Patterson for the Rangers and obviously Saginaw but still in pro hockey but you'd think a goaltender like that at this level would guys cruising but it's so hard couple of things first of all it's even harder, I think, for goaltenders. And we could look back to our good friend Mike Torquia, who was one of the very best, okay, one of the very best you've ever seen at this level, and took his shot too, ended up with a great career over in Europe, etc. But on, on the Visentin point, I, I think, again, uh, you, you look at what he did in junior, and two things that stood out to me from Radley's piece. One was his first game back in junior, a 6-2 win over Sarnia. But the trash talking that he endured from every one of those Sting players. I mean, I might just reach out to to Mark and say, come on, let's come on the pod. Let's talk. Because I want to know what yeah. guys, I want to know. Take us down there on the ice, right? And then the other part of it is he he ends up, he, he did get a shot, right? He, he was in the NHL. He played his game with Arizona, games. Uh, he stopped Joe Thornton in a loss to San Jose, but played very well. I mean, you don't get to take that away from Mark Visentine, right? You just don't get to. And uh, ends up finishing his career in Europe, and, and the injuries prevent him from continuing the game. And it, it, it is. It's, it's a little bit heartbreaking because, to me, somebody with that much talent, and not yet 30. It just, it just seems too soon. But again, just a shout out to one of the good guys. You can never take anything away that happens in the National Hockey League. I know we were both watching the video of Joey Hishin. He got one goal. Guess what? You ain't taking that away from him. <laughs> Absolutely not. And man, oh man, I remember watching that video was was hard. It was a little bit like watching on uh, Rogers Hometown Hockey this past weekend and the story on Ben Finelli and, and watching that Michael Leambus hit. I was at that Memorial Cup in 2011 when Hishin got rocked and... Oh, goodness. I mean, we could go back over and over and over again, and maybe sometime we should get our buddy Fred Wallace uh, to come on the show, who, of course, calls games for the Owen Sound Attack, uh, because he'll tell you. And and Joey was, again, one of those quality people. I remember talking to him in the months afterwards when he was still around the team, but 
in post-concussion syndrome, right? So it was tough to watch that video again and see him laying there on the ice. And and now you look back on it and realize that was a career-defining moment, as in it essentially dictated the path that there wouldn't be much of a career. But great to see him back in the game. And, and kudos to Dale DeGray, GM up there in Owen Sound, who you know made sure there was a place for Joey because much like we like to say in Kitchener, once a ranger, always a ranger – I think the same holds true in Owen Sound. Once a bear, always a bear. And if you if you watch the piece, a shout out to Snook Ryan O'Reilly's father, uh, who my brother played AAA with Ryan O'Reilly, and we got to know Snook's family obviously very well because his dad's uh, was around the team all the time, and he kind of helped Joey through all that. So uh, yeah, shout out to just everybody involved with that uh, recovery story that is Joey Hishin. Anything else you want to talk about before story time? No, I think we. did we cover all the bases? We're, it's going to be an interesting weekend for uh, the Kitchener Rangers on this northern swing. It's our, I think, I, I've done a really poor job this year of looking ahead at the schedule to see where we are when, but I think this is our longest time away from home, right? Four days, three nights, uh, games, you know, three consecutive games. But the Kitchener Rangers are going to have their hands full against the team to start this road trip that knocked them out of the playoffs in the Western Conference final last year. A team that just got Barrett Hayton back and Hayton went, what, I think one and two in his first game back into the O having come back from Arizona. So, and then we, we'll see Bodie Wild again at the end of this trip and Cole Perfetti. Lucky Kitchener. And, uh, don't worry, next weekend gets easier. Nope, it doesn't <laughs> with Guelph, London, and Guelph. It's a it's a tough six games for this Rangers club, and I think we can be forgiven with not looking too far ahead with the schedule because of these back-to-back-to-back three-and-threes that we have. And then the fourth weekend of the month, we go two-and-two, uh, two, and then a day off, and then Tuesday, I think, is what we do. So it's a lot of hockey this month, and uh, it'll be interesting. Stick with the Farwell and Pope podcast, and uh, we'll take you through it. So uh, what do you got for us? Uh, uh, producer Polly, if we could just throw some, uh, maybe some story time. No, we don't need story time music. Okay, just kidding. Anyway, what do we got? Producer Polly, the man the, with the magic fingers back at the uh, radio station at Mission Control. Well, we're fire, uh, filing this from Sault Ste. Marie. Unbelievable the work he has to do now. We appreciate it all, obviously. <laughs> of course we do. Okay, so what do Kirkland Lake, Tom Cochran, and the Ruen Naranda Huskies have in common? They're all playing at the arena right now in Sault Ste. Marie. No, wait, that's John Cooler, John Cougar Mellencamp. How did that happen, by the way? And why are we sitting here in the hotel? I, you told me about this on the bus ride up. Re- Mellencamp is actually, because based on where we are hotel-wise, across the street from us at the arena. I think if we're quiet enough, we can hear him. But yes. Anyway, so um, what do they all, Kirkland Lake, Ren Naranda Huskies, and Tom Cochran all have in common? They all, I, I don't know. I'm going to grab my snacks and you, you tell the story. Okay, you, want, you might want to grab some snacks because it's, 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 I, I find it to be a pretty crazy story. It really is. And, and there are so many little elements to it. But what this all comes back to, and I think it's, it's a good reminder, certainly to those of us here in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, it's a good reminder about travel. We have done our woe is us story about our nine-hour journey today to get here to Sault Ste. Marie, which is nothing compared to what many teams and certainly the Quebec League and the Western League do. Uh, but something else that we've noticed already this season, and I, th- I want to really stress because the Londons and the Kitcheners and you know some of the, the, the wealthier teams or the, the seemingly wealthier teams get wrapped a lot for, oh, it must be nice because you go into cities a day ahead of time and this and that. You know what? Saginaw, Flint, both came into Kitchener to play the Rangers on weekends, came in a day ahead of time. Sudbury, before that overtime win last weekend, was here a full 36 hours before the game while the Rangers were to and fro. So they're they're taking time for their players and booking hotel rooms and things like that. Uh, so, you know, there are more teams doing a lot of things for their players to try to make life as easy as possible. It's It's not easy being a student and an athlete and being on road trips and whatnot, but... Just let's not get too carried away in the whole the rich get richer or do more things than other teams because a lot of teams are taking care of their their players. I have a quick opinion on that, and, and it's just if you want to develop the best players to send on to the next level, if you want parents to send their 16-year-old kids to your city and under your supervision, if you want to draw American players and European players to the OHL, it is little things like that that go a long way because it's going to help the players get ready for that next level. It's 
switching up the pregame meal to a little to something healthier. It's having a special strength and conditioning coach. It's having a special nutritionist on your team. It's having a special stats guy on your team. It's the little things like that that make players more prepared for the next level and making them better when they get to the ice. So if that means coming into a city a day before or going straight from another city to another city so they can get there and get to sleep so they're better prepared to play that game it's the little things like that teams are starting to do and it's not just the teams that some people deem as you know the the richer teams it's all teams trying to find that edge because every single game counts and this has turned into a group effort i wanted to point that out too i still regret not taking the picture a few weeks back after the ottawa 67s played the kitchener rangers on a friday night because on home games after every home game, I do a post-game show. So I'm at the rink pretty late. It's just me and the cleaning staff by the time it's done. And I take my gear, our radio equipment, down to the dressing room to store it. And when I got down there after that game, the Ottawa 67's jerseys were on the same rack hung up with Kitchener Rangers jerseys because Ottawa that weekend had been in Kitchener on the Friday, went to Owen Sound on the Saturday, and then had an afternoon game in Hamilton on the Sunday. So they used Kitchener as home base. So what happens? Kitchener's staff takes care of the 67's equipment they need they need their gear laundered right so there was the freshly laundered jerseys ottawa's and kitchener's all on the same rack we saw the same thing with sudbury who had played in erie on friday night a week ago and played in kitchener on sunday used kitchener as home base of course for the weekend and our assistant trainer uh, barry hoke didn't make the trip to sarnia so he could be at the kitchener memorial auditorium to host essentially the Sudbury Wolves, get them their skate, get them what they need. The week prior, when we made our trip to, where did we go the week before? Windsor. Uh, Windsor, thank you, yeah. Bear, Bearcat, we can call him by his nickname, didn't make that trip either because he had to be there to take care of the Ottawa 67. So that, and, and trust me, every, like we've noticed that when we go on the road with the Rangers too, other teams are there for us when we show up at rinks. When we got into Sudbury last year, I think at like 12.30 or 1 o'clock in the morning, there's the Sudbury staff opening up the arena, and you're like, what are you guys doing? But as much as the media members of this league are a tight-knit uh, community, so too, and even probably more so, is the training staff. Okay, I've kept you waiting long enough. But I, there's there's a real, I think, tie-in to what we're talking about here on this story. Tell me the damn story! <laughs> I know, it's taken so long. Okay, so get this. So every summer, uh, I take a motorcycle trip. And this particular summer, we cruise through parts of northern-ish Ontario and northern Quebec. And it just so happened on this one, on the Saturday, we were rolling into Kirkland Lake. Kirkland Lake was not where we intended on arriving at when we started our day, but the way the day went, we had to... That ended up being the destination. Whatever. So there we are pulling into a Super 8, probably the only Super 8 in Kirkland Lake, on a Saturday night in August. And as we're pulling into the driveway of this hotel and we're pulling up to our parking spots, there are two gentlemen, older, even older than me, Popper. So I'm going to put them conservatively mid-50s, okay? That's older than you? It is. True story. (laughs) And there they are. In the parking lot of the Super 8 in Kirkland Lake, sitting on a park bench, essentially. Like, it's a it's a bench for two at the tailgate of a pickup truck. Leaning on the pickup truck is a woman. And that's, so we, we get off our bikes, and I'm looking at this, and I'm thinking, this is not something you see every day. But maybe this is Kirkland Lake on a Saturday night, right? So we get our gear off our motorcycles. We go, and we're going to head out for dinner. And I was a little ahead of my buddy. So I'm coming out the hotel. And I'm like, well, I, I got to know. Like, I'm a, I'm a curious human being. So I need to know why two men, older men, are sitting on a park bench in the parking lot of the Super 8 Motel in Kirkland Lake on a Saturday night. So I go and I start making conversation. And almost immediately, there's a cold beer in my hand. Because Randy... And I'm feeling really awful. I think it was Denny was the other guy. But Randy is the most important character in this story. Probably why I remember his name. And Helene was the woman leaning on the truck, which was Randy's uh, wife. So so they're they're there. They're tailgating at the Kirkland Lake Super 8. Why? I don't know. But now I have a cold beer in my hand and the conversation has begun. And so first thing we get around to is why are you tailgating? Well, we're here for the show. What show? The Tom Cochran show which is happening in the community center or the arena 
900 the woman said helene said 900 meters away she shows me on google maps and then she showed me her tickets like no because i'm like there's no way that tom cochran like of red rider tom cochran is playing kirkland lake on this random saturday i happened to show up in kirkland lake i've seen tom cochran twice he's outstanding same seen him twice okay so in light of that here's a tangent to the story but i think it's kind of interesting too so let's just say you randomly arrive in kirkland lake when tom cochran's playing a show there right and you're like well, I mean... You're going. Okay. <laughs> but you've seen him twice. Yeah. And it's Kirkland Lake. Yeah. Okay. What would you pay to see Tom Cochran in Kirkland Lake? Uh, 70 to $5. Wow. Okay. You are a... See, now, I've, I'm well known as... Well, a, last time we talked about this, we had the same conversation. I went really low for something else, so I tried to overcompensate. Okay. Well, good job on the overcompensation, because being the cheap individual that I am, like, I am, I am really a tightwad. I thought, okay, Tom Cochran, Kirkland Lake, 25 bucks, 30. I'll go 30, right? So when we were at dinner, I looked up tickets online. They were 50 bucks. And I, I balked. I said, no, I'm not going to see. So I skipped. Come I know. On. I did. I'm not even Canadian, <laughs> right? No, that's bad. Okay. That's- what else were you going to do at Kirkland Lake? Can I tell you the first time I met Tom Cochran? Please. World Junior Hockey Championships in Buffalo. How was it? Meeting Tom Cochran. Awesome. Yeah. He's sitting a, ro- a section over. I'm like, I can't, but I have to. Of course you do. Yeah. Anyway, so. Going back to, just real quick, Tom Cochran back in the day, like when he must have done. <sighs> Right? Like, that guy, A, probably just partied hard. B, if he wasn't married, he's probably a ladies' man. Like, he's a good-looking guy at the age he is right now. Amazing. So Phenomenal I, hair. I feel, yeah, I, I never talk about another man's hair because... Uh, I get it. Yeah. I feel bad. I feel guilt because meeting Tom Cochran at a World Junior Hockey game... Many years prior, having seen him multiple times since, I'm like, sorry, Tom, I'm not going to pay $50 to see your show in Kirkland Lake. Whatever. So there, I, I only found out the price after the meeting with Randy, I believe Denny, and Helene at the, on the pickup truck, sitting on their park bench, the gentleman were, the lady leaning against the truck. And we start, we start talking. And at this point, I didn't even pay enough attention because I was just so fascinated by this story. So Denny and Randy are lifelong friends. Denny still lives in... Kirkland Lake, but uh, Randy has gone on to life in Rouen, Naranda, Quebec. But of course, for occasion of a rock show by Tom Cochran, they're going to get back together. They're going to tailgate. They're going to have a good old time. So these guys were great. They were so much fun to talk to. And Randy asks, well, what do you do? So I, or I think it started with where we were from. That's right. That's what it was. Where are you from? I said, well, I'm from Kitchener. He said, oh, they got a pretty good junior hockey team down there. Like, yeah, they're okay. I'm not offering any more than this at this point. And I wasn't being very observant because they were drinking from a cooler that had a Rouen Naranda Husky on it. So it was a a team branded cooler, but I didn't make the connection. As the conversation goes on, he asks what I do for a living. The story comes out. And then all of a sudden, Randy and I became very best friends and we're talking junior hockey up the yin yang, right? And we're, he's, he's, he's speaking, um, ill of the London Knights. Oh, you guys must hate those London Knights. That's how we feel about Moncton, right? So <laughs> this is going on. But then I, I talked to Randy about life because I'm like, okay, so because you and I are talking about our, our longest trip of the season, here we are in the Sioux. I'm like, Randy, what's travel like? Like, how do you handle this as, and he, oh, sorry. I didn't even tell you. Randy's the owner. Come on. Ra- Randy, I can't believe I left that little detail out. Randy. He's got a team-issued cooler, and he's the owner. He left that out. Randy is one of six individuals that collectively own the Ruen Naranda Huskies. So I start picking his brain about, because I want to learn, right? Try to find out some information. So their road trips, obviously, they don't go by days. They go by weeks, mm-hmm. okay? They're, and one time a year, though, and they, they give this, getting back to our conversation earlier on team leaders and captains, they, they give the team the choice. You can fly for one, one of our road trips, or you can have something for the team, an upgrade to something in the dressing room, the weight room, whatever. And the one year recently said they chose some 
you know, gear like hoodies and stuff. I don't know what it was, but something like that for them to wear instead of flying for one trip. But they can fly one time a year. Other than that, they're taking 10 to 12-day trips on, on buses. And also, over 21 years of being a part owner of this team, he's never made money. Never. He said, we came really close the year we went to the Memorial Cup. Oh, and who do they lose to in the Memorial Cup? London? That would be the team. So Randy and I, shockingly, really bonded on that point anyway. But so now I think he almost hates the London Knights as much as he hates the Moncton Wildcats. I feel like it's a safe bet nowadays. I don't know. London? <laughs> yeah. Any, any question about junior hockey and championships, the answer would be London. Anyway, 21 years. They've never made money. He says it means everything to the community to have the team there. So they have no plans of, you know, giving up the team. Or le- But I'm like, wow. And I asked him, do you get to write this off against your other business? Because he's a businessman. Like, no, we just we keep the team here because without the Huskies, Ruen Naranda would be no more. Wouldn't, wouldn't have it, right? It would be nothing. And you didn't go to the Tom Cochran concert? And I did not go to the Tom Cochran concert. But I did meet Randy, one of the owners of the Ruen Naranda Huskies. I talked to him about travel. I talked to him about life in junior hockey. And he promised me, because he insists he loves Kitchener, that when he's in Kitchener, he's going to come up to the booth and say hi to us. And, uh, and he o- opened up the invitation. Whenever you want to come to Ruen Naranda, feel free and I'll show you around because he says we really take good care of our players. But anyway, it was it was a real eye opener for me. I believe it was oh seven that uh, Ren Naranda played an exhibition game against Kitchener to start off the exhibition season. Yeah, I, I I'll take your word on the year, but yes, that has happened. And by the way, shout out to the Huskies. I think it was fourth. They definitely showed up though on this week's CHL top ten. I have now adopted a favorite Q team, and it's Randy's. Huskies. Well, if Randy's listening and you want to come on the Farball and Pope podcast, Randy, hit us up. Bring your cooler. No. Uh, real quick, favorite Tom Cochran song? <sighs> favorite Tom Cochran song? Yeah. I'm just going to go with Life is a Highway. Seems fitting for okay. this weekend. Oh, nice. On the Farwell and Pope podcast. I'm Farwell. I'm Pope. And that is the Farwell and Pope podcast. This has been the Farwell and Pope podcast, posted weekly. If you have questions, topics, or a story you would like to be covered, simply email mike at 570news.com. The Farwell and Pope podcast originates from the 570 News studio in Kitchener. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.